Welcome to the September 18th episode of the Enjoying the Bible podcast. I'm Matt Ellis, and I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida. Today's reading is Proverbs 30 and 31 and 2 Corinthians chapter 11, but we'll only focus on the New Testament in this podcast. I hope you're ready. Let's get started. Okay, so as we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, we're in yet another chapter where Paul is uh, fighting for the hearts of the believers in Corinth. Um, they are, they've strayed away from him. Titus has come back and said, hey, Paul, they love you. They respect you. You know, they, they've made some adjustments after that harsh letter that you wrote um, and after that visit that you had with them. Um, but Paul appears to not be so sure uh, about it uh, because he continues in 2 Corinthians to just fight for their hearts. And so he's going to do that in 2 Corinthians 11. In 2 Corinthians 11, um, he's going to really just... He's, he's going to give him a one-two punch, you know, with his words. And sarcasm, at times, is going to be dripping from his lips. <laughs> so um, let, let's go through verse at a time and just kind of listen to how it is that the Apostle Paul is fighting for the hearts of the, the Corinthians, uh, the believers in the Corinthian church. And, and by the way, when we say church, we're not talking about um, all of those that met in one building, the, the First Baptist Church of Corinthians, of Corinth. Um, you know, it, they may have had a gathering place or gathering places, and it very well also may be that uh, they were loosely connected, uh, meeting in homes, um, but uh, maybe there was some gathering place where they generally gathered. So he's writing to the Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 11, um, this has uh, got quite a few verses in it, but um, 33, it's got 33 verses in it, but you know what, let's just try to go verse by verse, uh, get through this chapter. Paul said in verse 1, I wish you would put up with a little foolishness from me. Yes, do put up with me. And uh, so Paul is going to commend himself. He's about to do something that is so awkward for him. So awkward for him. He said, you've got leaders there that are commending themselves to you. And, uh, you know, they're saying, who am I? And I don't have anything to say. I don't have any commendation. I'm not commending myself and nobody else is commending me. Um, at least, you know, not formally. Um, and uh, so Paul is about to commend himself. But he's going to do it in a way that, one, is very awkward to him. And, two is very different from the commendations that the, the leaders in Corinth got. So he said, yes, do put up with me. Verse 2, For I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy, because I've promised you in marriage to one husband to present a pure virgin to Christ. And so the word jealousy is here. And a lot of times when we think of the word jealousy, we think of bad. It, it brings up bad connotations. You know, a jealous boyfriend, a jealous girlfriend. That's usually not a good thing. But the word jealous here is actually one where Paul is just saying, you belong to me. And I've got an investment in you, Church of Corinth, and I just can't let you go. I just can't write you off. Um, I love you. 
Church of Corinth, and I want to help you get ready for the day of judgment so that when you are presented to Jesus, he is presented with a bride that is clean and glorious and holy and pure. And he said, right now, we're not that there yet. We're not even close. And so the word jealous just means he's not willing to give up on them. He cannot let them go. He wants to help them grow in their walk with the Lord. Verse 3. But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced by a sincere and pure devotion from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Oh, so there's an implication here. He said, just as the serpent, which was Satan, deceived Eve with his cunning, his words, you know, what he was saying, he deceived her. He said, your minds may be seduced. Okay, so who would be seducing them? Who would be Satan in this uh, scenario? It would be their leaders. <laughs> Paul didn't say it, but that's, what's he, that's what he's implying, that you have leaders who are seducing you, and they are using you, and they're teaching you wrong, and they're going to lead you down the wrong road. They're going to promise you wonderful things like Satan promised Eve, and yet when she took not only of his words but disobeyed the Lord, then everything fell apart. Everything fell apart. And so... Uh, Paul is he's really 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 going to get on to uh, and and talk about their their leaders their phony leaders verse four for if a person comes and preaches another Jesus and you know we could put quotes around Jesus preaches another Jesus there's only one Jesus you know the name Jesus is a very popular name but there's only one. Jesus, the Son of God. He said, if someone comes and preaches another Jesus whom we do not whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit which you had not received, or a different gospel which you had not accepted, you put up with it splendidly. And so he's now getting on to the church that y'all are just embracing the untruths that your leaders are telling you that just like Satan deceived Eve, your leaders are deceiving you. They are giving you, preaching another Jesus. They're giving you another gospel. They're telling you about another spirit and, and you're okay with it. You're okay with it. And so he's kind of, well, not just kind of, he's really getting onto the church for putting up with this. Um, I tell you that the church that sets the standard um, at least as far as knowing truth and holding people accountable to the truth, is uh, the church in Berea in uh, the book of Acts, where we are told, I believe it's Acts 17, that as Paul and Silas preached to them, that they went home and they searched the scriptures to make sure the things that Paul said were true. Um, that's wonderful. And yet we have a church here in verse 4 who is embracing false teachings, wrong heretical teachings, simply because their leaders are telling them this. They're not searching the scriptures. And Paul obviously and rightfully is horribly bothered by this. Verse 5, now I consider myself in no way inferior to those super apostles, and that's the literal word that he uses in the original language, those super apostles. So apparently some of their leaders were actually maybe actually calling themselves super apostles. Maybe Paul was being sarcastic and just calling them that, but uh, whatever it is, those who were leading 
were saying that they had so close connect, apparently had so close connections with the 12 apostles that maybe in some way they were saying that they were even better than them. They were super apostles. Um, I'm telling you, this sounds ridiculous, but there are there is no shortage of preachers who are taking their congregations down the wrong road even today. And you can see them not only on television and listen to them on podcasts, but maybe some even in your local neighborhoods where there are people who are leading churches who are taking them down the wrong road. How do you know if that's happening in your church? That responsibility is yours. You've got to be searching, be searching the scripture, find out if what is being taught, that what the, the direction that you are heading in, if that lines up with God's word. Uh, but, uh, you know, Paul said they were super apostles that were taken over and they were really messing the church up and teaching wrong, uh, wrong theology. Verse 6, even if I am untrained in public speaking, and, you know, they had said that of him, even if I am untrained in public speaking, I'm certainly not untrained in knowledge. I know what I'm talking about. That's what he's saying. I am getting the revelation from the Lord, and I'm speaking truth to you. Indeed, we have in every way made that clear to you in everything. Paul said, I'm telling you the truth, and I heard it straight from the Lord. And, and by the way, Paul would have said, go search the scriptures. See if I'm telling you the truth and find out that what I am saying is true. Verse 7. Or did I commit a sin by humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? Okay, so now he's dealing with a little bit of a tangential argument. He kind of moves a little bit. He's still putting the pressure on the church, but now he's beginning to talk about the fact that he did not take any money from them. He said, or did I commit a sin by humbling myself, by debasing myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preach the gospel of God to you free of charge? You know, am, am I, and what he's doing is he is saying, are your leaders preaching and leading free of charge? Now, there's nothing wrong with taking money for service. Paul mentioned that. Um, and the uh, reference, the ox is, uh, the laborer is worthy of his hire, and uh, don't muzzle an ox when he treads out the grain. Those verses are used in the New Testament to talk about how when we work, we are able to um, receive payment uh, so that we can do that. Paul even talked to the church of Corinth about how that when we sow spiritual seed, that it's okay to reap financial seed. Pastors shouldn't do it for the money, but it is appropriate for congregations to provide remuneration so that the pastor can designate more of his time to study and prayer, and counseling, and leading, and all of the other things that are involved in uh, ministry. But Paul didn't take advantage of that right with the church of Corinth. He was depending upon the churches in Macedonia. Philippi, particularly, was really helping him out and giving money to him to help him. In fact, he says in verse 8, I robbed other churches by taking pay from them to minister to you. And so Paul is really trying to put a little bit of guilt on the church at Corinth. 
He's just trying to, it, it's, if, if I could picture in my mind what this feels like, it's like he's got a big rock and he's got a hammer and a chisel and every, you know, he just is constantly chiseling away, trying to get rid of all of the excess, all of the stuff that should not be there to come up with a beautiful uh, piece of art. Um, and so he is just hammering away and right now he's hammering away at the fact that he didn't even charge them. He didn't even charge them. He ministered with them. He led them to the Lord, and he didn't even charge them money. And so then he says in verse 9, when I was present with you and in need. So he said, whenever I was in Corinth and I didn't have enough money to, to buy food, I didn't have enough money to, you know, to provide for my needs, whatever those needs are, whether lodging or whatever else, whenever I was with you and had a need, I did not burden anyone since the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my needs. Macedonia, that's Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. They supplied my needs. They were sending money to him. He said, I've kept myself and will keep myself from burdening you in any way. And so why was he doing this? Why was he not receiving money from the Corinthians? Um, I think one of the reasons may be because he wanted to, for them, exemplify Christ, who impoverished himself. He left heaven and came to earth and impoverished himself so that because of his poverty, we might become rich. And so Paul may have been wanting to illustrate that with the church at Corinth, that he impoverished himself depending upon the free will offerings of churches that were a good distance away and providing spiritual riches to the church of Corinth. It also may be that though that he knew that the leaders in Corinth, the leaders of the church, may be, have been looking for something to point out in Paul to discredit him. And one of the things that usually is a discredit is, oh, they're doing it for the money. They're doing it for the money. And so I wonder if maybe that's one of the reasons why Paul did not take money from the church of Corinth so that he could short-circuit that argument, that allegation against him that, no, I am not doing this for money. I am ministering to you, church of Corinth, because I genuinely love you and I want to get you ready for the day of judgment. And so he said in verse 8, I robbed other churches. Verse 9, whenever I was in need, I didn't ask you all for anything. I was relying upon the churches in Macedonia. Verse 10, as the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I don't love you? God knows I do. But I will continue to do what I'm doing in order to deny any opportunity of those who want to be regarded as our equals in what they boast about. And uh, so Paul said, I am wanting to do something that sets me apart from your leaders who I do not uh, believe are teaching the truth. Um, but it also appears whenever he says in verse 11, um, because I don't love you, it's written as a question. And then he says, God knows I do. I want. It appears that maybe the church of Corinth, some of them were saying, Paul, don't you love us? Take our money. And Paul said, no, I love you, but I'm not going to take your money. And so maybe that some of them felt slighted, but, uh, but Paul had his reasons for not wanting to take their money. I do believe that it had to do with he wanted to illustrate the ministry of Christ through his poverty, we become rich. And also he did not want their leaders in Corinth to have 
an allegation that would stick that, oh yeah, Paul's doing it for the money. He's taking your money, isn't he? And Paul did not want that allegation to have any substance at all, so he didn't take any money. Now listen to the slam. I mean, it's a slam in verse 13, a bigger slam in verse 14, and then a triple slam in verse 15. So listen to this. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Oh, (laughs) awkward. Who's he talking about? The leaders in the church of Corinth. They're false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Now, that would have been a punch, a word punch, uh, if he had stopped there. But then he goes to the next verse. And no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Oh, you know, if people were saying, oh, after verse 13, they're really saying, oh, after this one. Because now Jesus, now Paul is not just saying that they are disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. He said they're just like Satan who disguises himself. Just like Satan. And so that was a double slam. Well, Paul's not finished yet. He goes on to verse 13. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves. Who's his? In the previous verse, it's Satan. So it is no surprise if Satan's servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will be according to their works. My goodness, he slammed their leaders. You know, there's a time to be nice and tactful, but when salvation is on the line, when there are people who are in positions of authority and they are undermining people's ability to come to a true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation, and or when they, in their position of leadership, are hindering people from coming to a greater understanding. They're saved, but they're coming to a greater knowledge and experiential knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and following him, obeying him, loving him, enjoying him, worshiping, serving him. When you have people in positions of leadership who are hindering those under their authority from getting saved or from growing in their salvation, that's not a small thing. That is huge. That's why Jesus constantly got angry at the Pharisees. It's not just that they were hypocrites. To some extent, everybody's a hypocrite. Jesus was furious with them because their their hypocrisy was compounded by the fact that they were in positions of influence and authority, and they were keeping people from coming to Jesus. They were discouraging people from coming to Jesus. In fact, James chapter 3, verse 1, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we're going to receive the stricter judgments. And so Paul was blasting the leaders. And friend, that is appropriate. If there is someone in a position, particularly of spiritual leadership, and they are actively hindering people from coming to faith in Christ or from growing in their walk in the Lord, that needs to be addressed that needs to be dealt with because they're not just an average Joe Schmo. They are influencing people who will influence people who will influence people. And so Paul was rightly furious at the leaders of the church at Corinth and in fact called them certain servants of Satan, verses 13 through 15. Verse 16, 
He said, I repeat, let no one consider me a fool, but if you do, at least accept me as a fool so that I can also boast a little bit. He said, you know, don't, please don't look down on me as someone who is a fool, as an idiot. But if you think I'm an idiot, at least accept me and at least listen to what I'm going to say. Verse 17. What I'm saying in this matter of boasting, I don't speak as the Lord would, but as it were, foolishly. He said, I'm about to tell you something, and it's not necessarily something that the Lord would say, but, uh, but I'm going to say it. Verse 18, since many boast according to the flesh, I will also boast. He said, since many are bragging about who they are and what they've done, and they're commending themselves, and they have letters of commendation, he said, I'm going to play along. I'm going to be a fool. You're going to listen to me. Verse 19, for you being so wise, gladly put up with fools. He said, you know, so you listen to fools. They're, they're leading your church. So you might as well just listen to me. If, if uh, you know, if you're listening to them and they're fools, then go on and listen to me. One more fool is not going to hurt anything. Verse 20, in fact, you put up with it. If uh, someone enslaves you, if someone exploits you, if someone takes advantage of you, if someone is arrogant toward you, if someone slaps you in the face, I say this to your shame. We have been too weak for that. <laughs> Paul said that they were putting up with so much junk from their spiritual leaders. They were tolerating all sorts of things. They were being, and going back to verse 20, they were being enslaved by their leaders they were being exploited by their leaders. They were being taken advantage of by their leaders. Um, and, uh, you know, if someone is arrogant towards you, so their leaders were arrogant, and if someone slaps you in the face, and so we don't know if this is literal, the, the leaders were literally slapping the Corinthians in the face, but they uh, essentially were doing that and how they were treating them. Paul said, why are y'all putting up with those people? Why are you, why, why do you have leaders like that in your church? They're speaking untruth. They're in it for themselves. They're arrogant and proud. They don't care about you. They care about themselves. Why are you listening to them? But he said, if you're willing to tolerate with that foolishness, listen to this fool. I'm going to tell you something. Verse 21, the second half of verse 21. But in whatever anyone dares to boast, I'm talking foolishly. I also dare. <laughs> so he said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that's so incredibly awkward for me. He said, I'm about to brag about myself. So brace yourself, he's saying. Verse 22, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? Well, so am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm, I'm a better one, he said, with far more labors, more, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death. Paul said, whatever they can claim that elevates them in your sight, I'm better than that. I'm at least equal, if not better than that. And now what he's going to do is give them his credentials but it's not like he's going to say, like so many preachers today, you know, I mean, are evangelists. Hey, you know, I'm somebody that, I mean, it's when you get around pastors, it's an unfortunate truth that a lot of them immediately want to jump to the size of their church or all of the ministries that are going on or how many people were saved. <clears throat> and, and it seems as if they're really not glorying in Christ. They're really wanting to just get the respect of others. 
by being such an, an a, apparently an incredible leader. And so really they're bragging about themselves. Uh, they're, they're, and they're using the things of the Lord as the means to brag about themselves. And so what Paul's going to do is he's not going to go that route. He's going to brag about himself, but he's not going to go about that route. He's not going to brag about his power, his influence, his authority. He's not going to brag about his achievements. He's going to brag about his weaknesses. Listen to how he describes himself. Verse 23 again, just to read that and then keep, uh, we'll keep on going. Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one with far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. I mean, that's interesting. You know, he's describing all of these natural phenomena that pose dangers, all of these people that are out in the world, worldly unbelievers that pose dangers, robbers, he mentioned them. And then he talks about false brothers, people even in the church posed a danger. Verse 27, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. Verse 28, not to mention other things, as if none of that, you know, as if that is not a big enough deal, not to mention other things, there is the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. He said, that is weighing on me. Do you know what the Apostle Paul is doing? He's saying, listen to the way your leaders are commending themselves. They're talking about all the wonderful things they've done and all the great places they've been and all of the achievements they've had. And, you know, all of that, they're just bragging on what they have accomplished. And he said, you don't want me to tell you what I've accomplished? I've survived everything Satan could throw at me. That's what I've accomplished. I've led people to the Lord. I love people and I've led them to the Lord and I've helped them to grow in their walk with the Lord. And what do I get as a result of it? Nothing but a life of hardship. That's my pedigree. That's my commendation. That's what I celebrate, is how God helped me through all of these difficulties to keep on going. What Paul is saying is, I'm very different from the people that are leading your church. But not only that, Paul may have been planting the seed in the mind of the Corinthians. Hey, think about this. Would your leaders continue to lead your congregation if they went through everything that I've gone through? Ah, that takes us back to the words of Jesus. A shepherd, a, you know, someone who is not the shepherd of the sheep is going to, when a wolf comes, they're going to take off. Life got hard because they're not doing it for the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. They're doing it for the money. They're doing it for whatever other reason. Paul was saying, I am obviously someone who is a genuine shepherd serving underneath the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, because I have suffered a lot for the sake of the sheep, and I have not quit. 
I'm not obviously not doing this for the money. I'm not doing this for the acclaim. I'm not doing this for anything other than I want to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell others about him. I want to get other people ready for the day of judgment. And so that's what he's doing. He's saying, look at me and see that I have demonstrated that I am the kind of person that Jesus described as a true shepherd. Your leaders are not true shepherds. Verse 29, who is weak and I am not weak? You know, who's gone through some tough stuff? I've not gone through tough stuff. Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? Now, I think what he's saying there is who has uh, stumbled into sin and it hasn't affected me. Paul said, I care about y'all. I genuinely care about y'all and I'm able to I'm willing to put up with all sorts of stuff because I love you and I want to get you ready for the day of the Lord when you stand before him. And uh so what Paul is doing is once again he is showing that he's not in this just because the ministry is easy for him and you know, he uh, is doing this only as long as it's easy for him. He is in the ministry because he loves people and he loves the Lord and God placed a call on his life. And so he's dealt with all of this hardship and he is trying to demonstrate to the church at Corinth that he is a true shepherd. Verse 30, if boasting is necessary, I will boast about my weaknesses. Okay, so that's what he just did. He said, I, if, 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 if I have to brag to compete with your leaders... Well, I'm not going to brag about my power and my authority and my accomplishments like your leaders do. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to brag about my weaknesses. And one of the things that he says in another place is, I've discovered that when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, Paul just was demonstrating he is not like their leaders, that he genuinely loves them and cares for them. And really, it's time, it was time for the Corinthian church to get rid of their leaders, to start over, to start new, to start afresh, because they were being led by a group who was teaching them all sorts of false things, tolerating, leading them to tolerate all sorts of gross sin, and uh, these leaders were in it for themselves. Verse 31, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows I'm not lying. Okay, so what, what's he talking about here? I think he's referring back to the list. It, it's, it's probably, because this list appears nowhere else in Paul's writings. And so it may be that the Apostle Paul was saying, you know, y'all are probably still trying to wrap your mind around, really, you were beat 40 times minus one, uh, five times, you were beaten with rods three times, you were shipwrecked, you were stoned and left for dead once, uh, you, you were shipwrecked. You know, I think what's going on is Paul probably realizes that his readers are saying, you did what? You've been through what? And he said, I promise you, the Lord knows I'm not lying. I'm being completely honest with you. Any one of those things could have taken anybody out. And yet Paul dealt with all of that. Why? Because he loved pain? No, no. Because he loved the gospel, because he loved the Lord Jesus, and because he loved people. Paul was just, this is the way that Paul is commending himself to them. This is how he's trying to win their heart. It's a Christian, a godly way of 
of speaking of ourself and our dependence upon Christ. Verse 32 and 33, and we're done. In Damascus, a ruler under King Aretas guarded the city of Damascus in order to arrest me. So I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Okay, so what is this? <laughs> What's he talking about? All of a sudden, he goes back to Damascus when he was there, and he was, when he was let down in the wall through a window um, so that he could escape. Well, this is recounted for us in the book of Acts. And uh, this city is the city of Damascus. What happened on the road to Damascus? Yeah, that was where Paul was saved, right? Right? He was he was walking or riding a horse. We're not told. Some think he was riding a horse. Nothing in Scripture tells us that. Maybe he was walking or a camel. We don't know. But all we know is, is that he and everyone else was knocked to the ground. And the Lord said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Well, Paul was technically persecuting the believers, but Jesus said you were persecuting me when you persecute believers because my identity is tied with them. That's All of that was implied. And it was in Damascus that, on the road to Damascus, that Paul was saved. Well, what was Paul carrying with him? Well, he was carrying letters. And those letters were letters of commendation, Right? They were letters of commendation. He was taking those letters to Damascus to say, hey, I just want you to know that I am someone who lives in Israel and I am here to get in another nation. I'm here in this other nation to get these people and bring them back. Uh, they are Jews. They are believers. And I am taking them back to Israel. Here are the letters that give me permission to do that. And so Paul said, I've had letters of commendation before. But I only had them whenever I was lost and wanting to kill believers. And Paul said, I will never do anything like that again. I will never, ever give that sort of commendation to myself again. He said, you want my commendation? Then look at all of the stuff that has happened to me and look how the Lord Jesus has helped me through it. If that doesn't point to how the Lord has worked on my heart, so that I am in the ministry for the obvious right reason. Because if I was in this for money or for pleasure or for ease or anything like this, I would have abandoned the ministry already. I would have gotten out, but I'm still in it after I've gone through all of that. But it's also, Paul is saying, that I am willing to risk my life for what? For the gospel. And so Paul was elevating the gospel, the value of the gospel, that Paul wholeheartedly believed the gospel, that the gospel was the power of God into salvation, and he was willing to die in order to get that message to people. And all of this was tied up in verses 32 and 33 as he talked about how he went to Damascus and then how he was let go. He was talking about a time in his life when he did have letters of commendation, but that was a sinful, ugly time in his life, and he's not going back there again. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we thank you so much for your goodness and for your grace. We thank you for this story that we get to continue to read in 2 Corinthians as Paul wrote to the church and uh, Lord, I pray that we would have his heart 
that uh, that we would not, whether we're ministers or not, that we would not be about this business of following you and sharing the gospel because of what we can get out of it. Lord, I pray that we would do it because it's the right thing, because we love the gospel and we love you and we love people. Lord, help us not to be like the Pharisees who were full of themselves or like the leaders in the church of Corinth who were full of themselves. But help us to be like Paul, really, Lord. Help us to be like you who humbled yourself. You left heaven and left many of your rights and privileges behind and you humbled yourself and you became poor by taking on the form of a man and being and suffering and even coming to the place where you died on the cross for us in your poverty we were made rich brought into a relationship with god the father thank you lord jesus for rising from the dead for sending your holy spirit into our hearts and lord help us to be more and more like you as we live this life that you've given to us we pray in jesus name amen Well, I hope today's episode has helped you to understand and enjoy God's Word so that you can apply it in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Enjoying the Bible podcast is a ministry of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida. Check us out at fbcpolkcity.com. See you next time.